Amen. Good morning. So I have to admit to you, I'm kind of down in the dumps today. I'm having a real struggle with life outside of Georgia. My bulldogs are letting me down. The falcons, my feelings are hurt. So I figured I might as well become a fan of a football team in Iowa. That way I don't ever have to be disappointed, nor do I ever have anything to look forward to. Just kidding. You walked right into that, all of you. I mean, it was great. You're like clapping, thinking I'm going to convert. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, man, what a struggle yesterday. And of course, everybody's yelling at the TV, why did the coach go for it in fourth down? That's crazy. Trying to fake punt. What's he doing? Yeah, you know. I don't even know. So I just sit on my nice couch and weep. Yeah, so as Pastor Jeff mentioned, we're starting a new series called The Advent Conspiracy. And uh, if you weren't able to grab one of the study guides as you came in this morning, we do hope that you would grab one uh, on your way out. Uh, It'd be a great thing for you to add to your personal devotional time or uh, maybe for your family dinner time. You're gathered around the table. There's some good questions in here for discussion or uh, if your small group's looking for something to do uh, during the Advent season, this would be something, an option that you could uh, consider. And also in the front of that is just a calendar of what's going to be happening throughout the month of December, uh, the themes for each Sunday, as well as other events that you might be able to be a part of. So uh, we hope that you would take that. It will keep you connected throughout the uh, Christmas season. Um, that way you can just be a part of things and celebrate, right? Because it's Christmas, Right? I mean, it's Christmas. Oh, wait a minute. Thank you for saying amen. It's Christmas, and I got an amen here, people. It's Christmas. It's time to celebrate Jesus. Yeah, there you go. All right. So when I was seven years old, we were living in Fort Hood, Texas. My dad was in the the military, in the Army, and uh, it was Christmas Eve. And my parents told me, you've got to go to bed or the big guy will never come. Have you ever told your kids that just to get them to go to bed, right? (laughs) So me being the most compliant child ever on the planet, yeah, some of you laugh, (laughs) you don't know. I went to bed and uh, laid there and eventually I fell asleep. Uh, I woke up, ready to rock and roll. The problem was it was 3 a.m. But I was ready to rock and roll because it was Christmas morning or close enough. And so I got up, and I was listening to hear if my parents were still up, out in the living room or whatever, and I couldn't hear anything. So I got close to the door of my room, and I'm just listening, and I don't hear anything. And I cracked the door open. I looked down the hall toward their room, and it's dark. Their door is closed. And, and I look back down toward the living room, and I see this glow of light. And I'm thinking, oh, man, he's here, right? And so I sneak out in the living room only to find that it's the Christmas tree that's lighting the room, which was still very nice, soft glow of white and everything, you know, just majestic. So I'm like, okay, well, nobody's up. So I continue on my adventure looking around and I find my stocking and I see that it's got some stuff in it, but next to it is an item that caught my attention. It was a Casio 30 key keyboard. You know the one, it's got the old uh, metrodome, boom, boom, deep, boom, boom, right? 
Yeah, and uh, that thing, and it only played like three keys at a time. Like you couldn't actually get proficient in piano. And I mean, you know, there's only 30 keys, so you're kind of crunched anyway. Man, I was just so excited about this keyboard. I was curious on how it worked and all the different sounds that it had and all this different stuff. So I thought, well, I'm going to sneak it back into my room so I can play with it at three in the morning. So I get back into my room and I'm up in my bed and I'm playing on it. I'm like, man, this thing's a little loud. Uh, And so I turned it down to the lowest volume setting it would go, and it was still loud. I mean, it is just after three in the morning. And the last thing I wanted to do was wake up my brothers, who were two at the time, because if I woke them up, then mom and dad was going to have to get up, and then that was not good news for me. And so I decided, I'll just wait. I'll just wait until it's more appropriate, like two hours from now, uh, for me to be up to uh, play with my keyboard. So I got all snuggled down in my bed and just held onto that keyboard and went back to sleep and then woke up when it was time to get up and play and create all kinds of chaos. But I was so excited about this keyboard. Man, I wanted to show my parents that I could play it. Not really, but at least make the sounds on it. My brothers, they wouldn't have cared less about a keyboard. I mean, that's not a toy. And show my friends and stuff. I was just so excited about this keyboard obviously, because I still remember it a little bit. For you, a Christmas past, maybe in your childhood or maybe as a parent and as you've observed your kids and you celebrate Christmas together, a Christmas past that maybe brought a lot of excitement. What was the source of that excitement or maybe the source of the curiosity for you at Christmas? Or maybe for this Christmas coming up, there's just a lot going on and maybe you're just really excited about a lot of things that are going to be happening over Christmas. Maybe you're not excited about Christmas this year because you're hurting. Uh, You've suffered loss in some way of a job or of a family member or or something. And and you're not really looking forward to Christmas because of the memories and the pain that you're going through. This Christmas, I wonder, could we recalibrate our focus on the true meaning of Christmas, the true reason we even have this time of year to celebrate Could we worship Jesus more this Christmas? The word worship, I I think as a church culture, we've kind of narrowly defined this word worship. So when I say the word worship to you, what most commonly comes to your mind? You can respond, it's okay. Singing, right? We have as a culture defined worship to mean singing for music. But I want to propose to you this morning that worship is actually more about a lifestyle that honors God. Music, singing is very much a part of that, but just a part of it. Worship as a whole is about a lifestyle that we adopt when we want to honor God with our lives. The first time we see the word worship is in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 22. It's the time where Abraham and Isaac are heading on this journey, right? Isaac and his wife Sarah tried to have a baby, couldn't have a baby, and then finally God blessed them with this child, Isaac. And then God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac and I want you to go to the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him there for me. It's a tall order. But Abraham said, okay, and... Abraham goes on the journey, and the time that we see the word worship is when Abraham says to a servant that is with him, you stay here, and the boy and I will go over there, and we will worship. I don't think Abraham had a guitar strapped to his back. 
I'm pretty sure he wasn't full of instruments and going up to the mountain to play and to sing to God. I mean, if you know the story after all of that, God provided a lamb for the sacrifice and spared the son Isaac. I'm sure Abraham was dancing and singing then out of worship and adoration, right? But there's something about this word worship and what we see here through Abraham. Abraham's connection to God. His obedience to God. His sacrifice he was willing to make to God. So out of my own personal conviction about this word worship, I've defined it this way. It's the Christ followers' inward and outward expression of obedience, connection, and sacrifice to God. It happens inside and it happens outside. The word worship in this, in this verse specifically is the Hebrew word shechah, meaning fully worshiping, meaning bowing down, meaning crouching down in humility, laying down flat on the ground to worship. And so when Abraham was using this word worship to go up to the mountain to sacrifice his son, he was giving of himself. His connection with God. He was going to be obedient to what God was calling him to do to make a very great sacrifice. So this Advent season, when we talk about worship fully, we're talking about the Shekhah worship. The Hebrew Shekhah worship. Laying ourselves down fully. Not holding on to anything else. Surrendering ourselves completely to God and worshiping Him. So we're going to look throughout Scripture this morning at the Christmas story. And as we are looking through this, there's a common theme that we're going to see with those who come within uh, interaction or see Jesus. That common theme, almost nearly everyone who sees Jesus lays their eyes on Jesus walks away with the same reaction. And it's worship. It's worship. They see Jesus, and they're in awe, and they worship. And so the first person that we meet in the Christmas story is Mary. If you want to turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1, we'll be in verse 26, Luke chapter 1. We understand Mary to be a young girl. Uh, We understand her to, to be... As we're, we're going to read, God looks on her very lovingly, very much with favor. And so let's read this, Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Mary's response, her reaction to this encounter with the angel is worship. Sure, she questioned it first, first, like, hey, angel, do you understand how that kind of works here on earth? I can't just get pregnant. But then the angel calms her down, speaks to her, and she recognizes, okay, this is from God. It's her worship. It's her connection with God. It's her obedience. May it be as it has been said. And ladies, I don't know if I can get an amen out of this, but what a sacrifice it was going to be for her to carry a child for nine months. Yeah, God amens, right, yeah. I mean, it was a big sacrifice. And so Mary's reaction to this encounter with the angel is worship. Yes, God, I will lay myself down for you. As a matter of fact, Mary wrote a poem slash song Uh, It's the Magnificat, if you want to be formal, or how she magnifies God through her words as she has visited Elizabeth and uh, all that their conversation had. This is Mary's response um, to that conversation and interaction with angels. So let's watch this video together. Reaction is worship. My soul magnifies you, O Lord. This Advent season, I wonder, can we recalibrate our worship to say, my soul magnifies you, O Lord? Can our focus be more on Christ the King than the other things that are trying to distract us? My question for you as we begin this first Sunday of Advent is, I wonder, are you already overwhelmed? Are you already exhausted by the Christmas season? Thanksgiving was just a week and a half ago, and then everything just ramped up from there, right? 
And now all the scheduling is happening. I mean, we've got parties and meetings and concerts. Oh, my. Parties and meetings and concerts. Oh, my. Parties and meetings and concerts. Oh, my. Right? I mean, there's just so much that is fighting for our attention, fighting for our worship to be the center of Christmas. So I wonder, are you already overwhelmed? Are you buried beneath Everything that is about Christmas. Are you even wondering if it's going to be a fun Christmas this year? Can we recalibrate to say that my soul magnifies you, O Lord, this Christmas? Another person we meet uh, in this Christmas story is Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. Joseph is the one that Mary is to be married to. She's engaged to him at the moment she finds out that she's going to be carrying this child. And so then we get to the verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1 where we meet Joseph. And here's what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. The same reaction from Joseph. Skeptical at first, how in the world is this girl that's supposed to be my wife pregnant? I can't figure that out. But yet he's a a nice guy, he's a humble guy, he wants to do things right. It says that he wanted to divorce her quietly and not expose her to humiliation. It's obvious that he still cared for her and didn't want to hurt her. But he was struggling with this idea that she's already pregnant. And then this angel comes and clears it all up. And then Joseph, out of connection with God, out of his obedience... To make the sacrifice, I mean, this is a public sacrifice, if you think about it. To go ahead and still marry this woman that is already pregnant and it's not your child, it's still a sacrifice for him. And all that they're going to have to go through over the next nine months. Joseph worshipped. He worshipped. Another group of people we get to meet in this Christmas story, back in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8, are the shepherds. Now these guys, maybe gals, I don't know if some of the girls were out shepherding too, we'll just call them shepherds. (laughs) They were rough, right? They had to be tough. They probably weren't most accepted in society, maybe because they were so rough and tough. Maybe they were little punk teenagers. I don't know. But they were out in the field, and they got to be tough. They got to be pretty brave because they got to fight off any predators that come and try to take a sheep. And if one wanders off, they've got to go after it and find it, right? And so these shepherds are out in this field, 
And we get to meet them and we get to see this encounter that they have with the angels that I think is pretty amazing. So starting in verse 8 of chapter 2 in the book of Luke. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I mean, think about that for a second. These guys are out in the field with a bunch of sheep. And then all of a sudden, this light comes out of nowhere and surrounds them. I even wonder if they were able to see each other through the light or if they were just totally surrounded individually by this light. And then it starts to talk to them. Like, it's kind of freaky. What is happening? And they were terrified, it says. But then this angel gives them this good news and gives them this this mission, basically, to go down and look for this baby that I'm telling you about. And they don't just casually, okay, maybe I'll go down. No, they hurried off. This is they hurried off. They had great excitement. They went from being surrounded and terrified to excited and curious. And they go and they find baby Jesus. And then they're telling everybody about it. Can you imagine if like three teenagers that are just uncontrollably excited at the moment come in and try to describe to you everything that had just happened? I mean, you got like all these voices coming in and you're like, whoa, 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 calm down. And they're yelling and they're, and you're like, whoa, what is going on? But, I mean, but yet all the people, like they were amazed by that. I wonder in our worship, as we worship more fully this Advent season, this Christmas season, could our reaction maybe be the same as the shepherds? Could we pause long enough to gaze our focus on Christ and then to be excited and to want to tell everybody about it? Because he is, after all, the reason for Christmas, right? But there's just so many things that are pushing and pulling, grabbing for our attention, wanting our worship. I mean, it should be the easiest time of the year to focus on Jesus. But it's not. There are a lot of other things that are grabbing for our attention. And it actually makes it really hard to focus on Jesus. It makes it really hard to be able to, to come together as a body of Christ and to, to, to worship Jesus together because we're busy, right? Could we maybe recalibrate a little bit? 
put our focus, put our worship toward Christ and not allow the peripheral to trip us up. Another group of people that we get to meet are the Magi. And they have an encounter with another Most High, uh, someone who wants to be the center of attention and fights to be the center of attention, Herod the Great. Someone that's a little deceitful and a little selfish, if you ask me. So the Magi are on their journey, and they're looking for Jesus, and they needed a pit stop, and they wanted to inquire for directions, and so they come upon Herod, and they ask him, where is this Jesus, the king of the Jews? We're looking for him. And Herod has this reaction, Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented gifts to him, gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream to not go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Magi. (laughs) They go and they worship Jesus. They bow down and they worship him. A very different worship than the intentions of Herod the Great, the deceitful, selfish guy. The Magi, and they presented him with gifts. And their focus was on Jesus. And their mission after they left was to go and to spread the word. To take all that they had seen and experienced back to their towns. Did you know that the Magi liked to ride around in fire trucks? Did you know that? I mean, they came from afar. (laughs) Come on, come on. The one, the one Magi, he owned a Honda because they were all traveling in Accord. <laughs> Man. My daughters over there are disowning me right now as well. It's, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good in the hood. Oh, man. I slay me. So this Advent season, are we able to worship fully? Are we able to present our lives, to present ourselves, to say to God that, yes, Lord, we want to be obedient to you. We want to make whatever sacrifice. It may hurt a little bit. It may not be comfortable. It may take us out of our comfort zone. But we want to worship you. We want to worship you fully. Can we take that step? 
Can we recalibrate? Can we adjust our focus a little bit? I mean, when we say that, yeah, Jesus is the reason for Christmas, sure, our lips are saying that, but are our hearts truly there? Are we truly focused on Jesus? The backbone to Christmas. And so we we have two challenges before us this Advent season. Challenge one. We can follow the inward and deceitful patterns of society. And with this lifestyle, it's, it's, it's selfish, and our worship is only momentary. Or could we re-enter into the Christmas story, the story of a loving God who stepped out of eternity to rescue his people? A lifestyle that follows that pattern, there's lots of changes that happen. And our worship is eternal. This Advent season, our daily encounters with Jesus, all that we experience over the Christmas season, our daily encounters with Jesus, that gives us reason to celebrate, right? It gives us reason to sing for Jesus. It gives us the strength that we need to to declutter our lives a little bit, to maybe say no to some of the busyness. None of my small group better better say no to, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It helps us to say no to the busyness. It helps us to refocus. When we encounter Jesus, it's life-changing. It makes our worship more intentional. So as we think about worshiping fully, giving of ourselves, surrendering ourselves to Jesus. May we do it with a heart that is of the basis of Christmas, hope and peace and love and rest. That's why Jesus came. He's a message of hope. He is the message of peace. He is the backbone to love. He gives us rest from the anxieties that come from the shame of sin. And so this Advent season, let us focus on Jesus. Let us worship fully. Let our worship of Jesus be an outpouring of our hearts. Let our worship of Jesus give us what we need to drive drive away the negativity of society and to press more into who God is. Let's worship fully. Let me pray. Father in heaven, you are such a mighty God. There is no other most high that is comparable to you. You are the Lord most high. And you declare your son Jesus to be your son. Emmanuel, which is God with us. God, you stepped out of eternity to live among us, to save us, to bring us hope, to bring us peace, to bring us love, and to bring us rest. And so, Father, this Christmas season, may it start today that we say, yes, Lord, we want to worship fully because you are worthy. You are worthy of our praise. And like the shepherds, God, may our excitement, may our curiosity get the best of us that we can go down and that we can just pause for a moment and gaze upon Jesus. 
And may that excitement pour out into a world that is hurting, a world that doesn't have hope, a world that doesn't have peace, a world that is restless, a world that doesn't understand true love. Can we be like those shepherds and be excited? And that each and every day that we would glorify and praise you because you are deserving. You are worthy, almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.